Okay. For real this time? I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Ready. I'll take Christy's silences already. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was <laughs> weed. Just trying to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> In the Garden View Studios in historic Albany, New York, I'm Bobby Go the Distance Pape, and this show has everything from Iowa, Minnesota, and the Dakotas. That's right, the Tishi Cinema Road Trip Spectacular is back on the road, and the road is lined with corn. We're going to take an adventure through many decades of movies from Iowa, Minnesota, and the Dakotas, and joining me to do it, coming to us from the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota... Right in her backyard. It's Anne. I could eat a horse, Lundholm. Good evening, Anne. <laughs> Good evening. Corn everywhere. Wheat, actually, I think it is in Minnesota, but close enough. Mm. Yeah, it all looks the same. That's yeah, fine. It's all large waving stock, right? Mm-hmm. And in Money Pit Studios in Detroit, Michigan, it's Meredith. We're not going anywhere, Van Harn. Good evening, <laughs> Meredith. Good evening. <laughs> it's a deep cut. Well, yeah, I you know, can't go topical for all of them. And that's why coming to us from No Name Studios in Libwood, Washington, it's Christy Jesus Loves Winners Wise. Good evening, Christy. <laughs> Hello. True words have never been spoken. I mean, you say it all the time, Christy. Yeah. That's one of I your have tattoos. A tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you square uh, that up with your Harry Potter tattoo, but okay. Yeah. I mean, it's there. <laughs> uh, sadly, Hillary dusting crops where there ain't no crops. Livingston Butler couldn't join us this evening <laughs> due to an overrunning commitment from uh, what we hope is just allergies. But we'll still talk about our movie because it's a, well, I thought a pretty good movie, but uh, we'll see what everybody else thought. Listen, if I watched it, we're talking about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it well, was a serious time commitment. I'll give it that. Before we get on the road trip, we're going to do a little bit of small talk, uh, mailbag, including your weird childhood obsessions. Then we'll dive into the, uh, oh, wait, if Hillary's not here, who's driving? Shit. Well, we're we're riding the tractor, right? Right. Yeah. Well, probably running fewer (laughs) red lights this way, so that's fine. (laughs) Uh, And then we'll do some Tishy Recommends and how you can get involved with the show. Christy, could you take us to some small talk? Sure. Uh, let's have Anne go first. Why? <laughs> because I Christy didn't want to go first. Christie's <laughs> sounds traumatic if I'm reading it correctly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to challenge your small talk authority. You just <laughs> yeah. caught me off guard. Yeah, that's my name there, not yours. <laughs> I choose. She gets to call the shots here. Yep. Christie's the small talk captain. Okay, um, this is just something that's not a big deal, but I thought it was kind of um, funny. I'm call it my compensation merry-go-round because we have had a fair amount of talk about uh, jobs and finances. We did that whole show where we talked about all that stuff, which was really fun and interesting. And one of my 
stories, projects, whatever, stories, I guess, was how I got reclassified so that I could get a bigger salary, essentially, got my job reclassified. And it all started, if you recall, and you may or you may not, was that I got a letter last January from HR saying, oh, by the way, we have done some comparison, salary comparisons with your type of position outside the university, and we have moved the compensation range higher. And so we have to give you a raise so that you'll be at the bottom of the new range. <laughs> That's so great. insulting and great. Yes. <laughs> yep. And they, and they CC'd the wrong supervisor on it, which is how all of this started, was that I mentioned it to my correct supervisor, like BTW. And that made her curious and start poking around at my salary. And that's when she said, Anne, this is not right. And she made it her mission to, you know, make a better situation for me. And we went through the whole job reclassification process to be more like what I was actually doing. And that had a salary range that started $20,000 higher than the other one. So I essentially got a de facto $20,000 raise. That's great. I just, it's been wonderful. Guess what? Last week, I got a notice from HR that said, we've been doing some external comparisons with your job type and we're ranging we're raising the salary mm. range and we're giving you a raise so that you'll meet the bottom. Oh my god. <laughs> nice. They should keep doing this. I like it. Yes. Here we go Wait. again. Why doesn't every company do this kind of thing? I've never heard of it before. Oh, we are doing it. My company is doing it, too. We had a department meeting uh, last week where that was brought up. It was like, yeah, because like one of the things is like the job market is so tight for what we do Mm -hmm. that it's hard to find people and people are getting like taken by recruiters, you know, um, left and right. And so they're like, what can we do to keep you guys happy? (laughs) Right. Well, that makes sense because it, but it feels weird to just do it out of the blue like Anne's was. Henry Ford um, did that too. At the, really? So we did that at the hospital as well. Yeah, HR would do it periodically. Yeah, wow. I think that's routine. And my new job classification is in like an entirely different branch. It's technically in an IT position now and before it wasn't. And so maybe they did the non-IT ones last year. And then this year they mm. went over to the IT positions and nice. I got swept in the net a second time. Jump over to whoever they're doing next. Yeah, I right. know. Get See, that's group. what I'm thinking. How can I ride this wave? That's, that's awesome. So when's that going to happen? I Probably don't, don't hold your breath, huh? I think that already started. I yeah. think that was a little bit retroactive. Or maybe January 1st or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, I just thought it was, it was all very amusing. Yeah, that is great news. <laughs> In a month, you're going to come back and be like, the university just decided that they're going to drop, like, bags full of money the ones with dollar signs painted on them <laughs> on my front door once a month yeah. because that's the industry standard and that now. keeps me at the minimum salary <laughs> yeah <laughs> well like like meredith working at a public institution for all this time they can't retain people through the f- fabulous salaries they pay no. so they do their best to kind of hold up the salary part as best they can and knowing that it's never going to be as good as the consulting world or anything like that. But just that quality of life tends to be so much better working for the university and we get good benefits, we get good time off and you're not working 24 seven. So that's kind of what they bank on, but they do have to at least not make the salary disparities ridiculous. 
So how many gingerbread houses is this going li- to allow you to buy? <laughs> um, I guess it all depends depends on the blueprints for next year. Yeah. How sure big am I going? I I really I'm voting for Hogwarts Castle, please. Mm. Oh, I will bet you a dollar at least that somebody's already done that. I bet I can find a YouTube to take the plans from. A YouTube? Okay, several dozen YouTubes. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more like a YouTube video. Whatever. I I just I want to I'm trying to keep us all from turning into our parents. I'll find that on a Facebook. <laughs> I, I'm a young Bobby. You're an old. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've mentioned before that that's a game I play with my staff. Uh, I play I'm young, you're old. No, you're young, I'm old. <laughs> I was going to defend Anne's something. choice of words there, but then I remembered I just turned 40, no. so maybe I can't yep. talk. <laughs> All right. So what is Hauga? Hauga is the Ikea dresser I assembled last night while watching North by Northwest. <laughs> oh, okay. I got to look at this then. Yeah, I need and to I, look and it I'm, up too. I'm honestly just proud of myself for doing it with no curse words and no broken toes and no crying. Oh, that's an achievement. And Did you have to take jam. anything apart and put it back because you misinterpreted the weird <laughs> instructions? No. I was shocked. I was shocked. And the trick was I took my time because it's such a long movie Mm -hmm. that I was able to there. I just sent a picture of my finished Hauga. Is it it the three or the six? The six. Oh, fancy. Look at you, Bobby. Oh, the gray one. It -hmm. came in three boxes. (laughs) That was. That looks great. uh, That was it was incredibly intimidating as I was unpacking it because like you had to put on all the rollers and. Uh, or the the things to slide them in and out, and da, da, da. yeah, and ninety um, percent of it was like short, stubby screws that you really had to put in by hand. You couldn't use the power mm-hmm. you know, yeah. screwdriver drill for. And so, uh, yeah, uh, this is just purely me bragging. I I have yet to assemble the nightstand because this took the whole two hours and seventeen minutes, or whatever. <laughs> The the biggest win, your first win, was actually finding something in stock because um, I've heard that there's like nothing. This was the third dresser I oh, wanted. Wow. Like this was my bronze medalist choice. Yeah. <laughs> I forget the names of your the others, school. but like, yeah, this one was like thirty dollars more than the one I wanted. Oh, I have pictures here. So the Hauga that was one sixty nine ninety nine. The the Kulin. Uh, K-U-L-L-E-M was 130 and marginally uglier, but I was really not worried about the look as much as the price. And then the Brimness, Brim, Brimness? Brimness was 149.99, and they were all out of stock. So was the uh, John Axel that I wanted, the uh, wire frame slide-out things for the closet. But, yep, I got the Huga and the matching nightstand, and so now I need something else to watch so that I can do the nightstand. <laughs> You know this is my jam, furniture building. I love flat pack furniture. Me too. Me too. It's so fun. It is. You guys can uh, come over and you, build mine. I hate it. <laughs> have you, Anne, have you done a big Lego set? Because it's just like that. No. Oh, I I got the Sesame Street one. It's cute, but <laughs> building it is the best part. There's step-by-step instructions. You got There's the Sesame Street one for you? Yeah, of course. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't considered that. 
<laughs> Fuck you, Elliot. Get out of here. <laughs> My Sesame Street. And of course, they're not Legos. They are Lego bricks. Is right? that what they yeah. are? Lego, like their YouTube videos? Yeah. Well, no. It, Lego is the name of the system. So As YouTube is, is the a... name of the system. <sighs> right. So the brick is not a, a Lego. As YouTube is oh. not a video. Does anybody else find Bobby to be quite tiresome? <laughs> <laughs> well, the yes. weird part about the Sesame Street one is I think it was like 18 above. Yeah, it's 18 plus. So you get more complicated. You can get a 12 and that's like super easy. 16 oh, age ranges now, like different yeah, and versions? Then, mm-hmm, because oh. the parts are a lot smaller and they take a lot longer. Yeah. I just love that the 18 plus Lego system is topless. <laughs> And by Sesame Street. (laughs) Well, they have uh, Legoland at the Mall of America. And so um, there's some very impressive Lego sculpture on display there. Oh, I bet. But I've never really been tempted to build any myself. But I can see it. Yeah. How long does it take? Oh, gosh. So I wanted to break it up into like multiple days. So like, oh, I'll just watch, you know. I couldn't. I couldn't leave it. And so I think I did it for six hours. Oh, wow. My fingers were hurting, though. <laughs> Tiny little things like taking them apart. And I'm envisioning you having six perfect little divots <laughs> on your finger. Yeah. I was envisioning, like, blood dripping from her cuticles. Yeah. Well, they now have this tool that lets you... that is like a can opener almost that pops the Legos off. If it weren't for that, I would have quit. Oh. Like, because if you miss one step or a pit, like couldn't tell what it was. Uh, yeah. So that's Legos. Highly recommend. <laughs> um, so my update is I was gone from last week's. Did I, did I miss any other shows? I don't know. But on Thanksgiving, I started to have intense pain and I thought this is either like some kind of kidney infection or a UTI. I've never had one, but I feel like this is what it would feel like. So as soon as, um, walking clinics opened, I went to one and they were like, it's not a UTI. They like did the test. It's not a UTI. Um, but we don't know what it is. So go to your regular doctor. And I went to my doctor and she was like, none of this makes sense. Um, because I've had kidney stones in the past, but it, it's always like a pain in my back. And that wasn't what this was. And so she's like, I don't know, we'll send you to a urologist, but we'll do an x-ray. And then the x-ray showed that there was two big things floating around in me. And I'm like, oh, is that just normal? Goldfish? Um, because things? <laughs> things. Like, I think they called them like calcification something like that just was like a generic thing and so I asked my doctor and she's like oh yeah they're too big for kidney stones so it's it's just it they just happen in bodies sometimes like there's just floating things okay take your word for it um I called a urologist and they said nope those are kidney stones they're just very big so cool you overachiever Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um kidney boulders yeah exactly and the soonest I could get into the urologist is February 25th. And I was like, I am in so much pain. Like I couldn't sleep. Like there were like days and days that I wasn't sleeping because I was in so much pain. And, um, 
so I just called around all urologists that are covered by my insurance and they're like, oh no, you have to be referred by your doctor. So then I'd have to call my doctor and then she would refer me. And then if that one didn't have an appointment, like they wouldn't even tell me if there was appointments. Like it was like this whole um, rigmarole I went through. Okay. So I went in and I was having a really high pain day. I've been keeping track of my pain since um, November 25th. I was having a really bad pain day. And she was like, okay, we need to get you in for a CT scan, CT, CAT scan, yeah, whatever it same is. same thing. And um, so I was like, perfect. And I had that on Monday. And then Monday night, the results came back, which I thought was quick. And everything looks good, except for they couldn't find any stones that are traveling, as they say. Because what happens is kidney stones either just stay in your kidneys forever and they can hurt. Um or they move and they go through the bladder, through the urethra and go out. The problem is that they are very big and the urethra is very small. Um, she compared it to like like a baseball trying to go through a garden hose is like a normal size one. I could do it. And <laughs> I've heard that analogy before. Yeah. And they say it's similar to childbirth except for in childbirth your body is made to get bigger in that area. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and also you get a cute baby at the end. And this one you just like want to die. Um, so all of my organs are good, except for there are now two kidney stones in each one of my kidneys that are very big, too big to pass. So hopefully they'll stay where they're supposed to. I mean, they're not supposed to be there in the first place, but they're there. Um, and my and the uh, the report says gallbladder is full of gallstones. However, they're not like, I guess the urologist doesn't care about that anyways, but because the gallbladder looks healthy, they're not going to do anything about it. So hmm. why is my body making stones? What is happening? So you're just like a ticking time bomb. Just like my heater and just like our plumbing. Like <laughs> oh, I no. am ticking time just bombs waiting for everything of to fail. <laughs> yes. Sort of a, just another plumbing issue. Yeah, exactly. So that's where I've been. So it seems like and Meredith, our medical expert, can correct me, hopefully, that the options are, as you said, leave them where they are, and mm -hmm. they're fine. Wait for them to pass, which isn't mm -hmm. an option. Or pass them. Wait, mm -hmm. that's the same thing. Yeah. It, shouldn't we have the medical technology, or I guess you could... Oh, you yeah, could they do. Take them, have them taken out, right? They could operate yeah, and take so them out. But what, they can operate and take them out, and the recovery is like... Six days in the hospital, eight weeks, like, I don't, I think messing with any kidneys is, like, dangerous. Um, or if it was, if it, they were still passing. So I think I passed them on a really high pain day because I know that there was, like, two really bad ones before I had the CAT scan. So I'm sure that it passed then. Um, but the <laughs> the procedure that they do is awful they put a camera up your urethra without any anesthesia and like zap them i do not want that oh. see don't we have the technology i would think that you could dissolve them i That's mean what, I what if you just what like can i drink drink yeah drink some stuff drink some acid yeah. yeah what could so go now, wrong <laughs> so my doctor's like or the urologist is like Yes, they're not moving, so you're probably not in pain. However, why is your body doing this? So they want me to do a 24-hour test where I pee into something. 
and maybe Anything? they'll be able to t- <laughs> I hope that they give me some kind of vessel I don't want to just have like random Tupperware that I, like, <laughs> moving back and forth or something what are all these but, Dixie uh, cups for yeah <laughs> pour it into a beaker yeah I and then hopefully I don't know how they can tell like oh yes this is the reason because if you read about it it's a lot about like eating red meat like oh you should not eat red meat well I already don't do that and don't drink soda and I already don't do that so there has to be another reason why it's happening and the answer could just be it's genetic and right you have to deal with this your whole life right it seems and like I some people just get Diet Coke so yeah. yeah so is it laser lithotripsy is that what they're talking about doing um it started with a C cut uh, okay it's fine yeah. lithotripsy I mean you know they they put a scope in your urinary tract and then they basically like zap it into pieces mm-hmm. um asteroids and they, with they play asteroids different... in you yes. Yep. <laughs> yes and then like they can they they collect it like if they're big pieces like in a little basket or they mm-hmm. like you they flush it out basically or you pee it out kind of um but usually i think that's under anesthesia at least local yeah the lady said no anesthesia which i was like i don't want that to be I mean, part I of it like is this a negotiation like can we talk about it <laughs> well i mean i have some kind of drugs i've insisted on being um sedated or at least given like a xanax or something like they mm. weren't going to give me anything when i had a liver biopsy and i was like you guys are oh you're no, insane if you, you think what? i'm doing that without any sort of drugs and so they gave i forget what, if it was like an ativan or what it was but pr- probably a xanax and it went badly and it was i remember feeling blood running down my side and just being like huh that's funny <laughs> oh my gosh and if i hadn't been sedated i'd be like oh i'm gonna yeah. die you would think that you'd want someone to at least be like twilight sleep because why would they, if they want move, you to freak out yes yeah. i don't know dangerous. so i i have negotiated it. i've for a couple of procedures too where they just don't routinely do it and i'm like no you mm-hmm. don't understand this isn't going to go well if i don't have some sort of right <laughs> sedation so you could yeah. bring it up yeah i want all the drugs maybe mm-hmm. this is another one where we can use your negotiation skills meredith perhaps yeah, you come in and talk for me i'll call i'll be your patient <laughs> advocate and i don't know what a ct scan does to your body like in a negative way but i think it should just be part of every physical every year um because well, it could it told me that all my organs are doing well wouldn't that be nice to know like hey your appendix looks you know a little shady let's watch it like you know to know a lot of radiation and then Mm. the problem with that is it's very expensive and you end up finding stuff that doesn't mean anything right so it will lead it's the same exact problem with like routine mammograms that's always the debate Mm -hmm. right we were talking about that earlier like the the downside of that is you might they might see something that doesn't actually mean anything, but you see it, they have to investigate it. It costs money, it costs time, and it makes you freaked out and it doesn't lead to anything and it doesn't help you live longer or do, you know, anything like that. Yeah. So those are the calculations you have to make in, in, in a medical system like we have. We don't have the resources to do that, especially right now for everybody. Yeah, right. I'm, I was very nervous. I'm surprised that it, like my appointments didn't get canceled. I think I yeah. like just got in there. Um, but also I haven't seen the bill. So me saying like, we should get it every year, you know, <laughs> see me in a month when I get that right. bill. <laughs> well, they do it at the dentist. You get x-rays every right. year. Well, x-rays so, and CTs please. are super different. Yeah. How, how different can it be? Very. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why with the x-ray, um, 
with the, you know, stones that are on the move, they could see that I had a five millimeter one and a three millimeter one. But like my doctor said is they could be like long and all we're seeing is the top view of them. Right. And that's why they needed to see the CT. Yeah. It helps you. You can like do, you can like look at your body in slices. It's really cool. MRIs are good for that too. Those little hot dog stones. Those are the worst. Yep. (laughs) Well, have you ever Googled what one looks like? Nope. Nope. I try not to. I would look. I would look. (laughs) It looks like a little crystal formation. And then think about that sliding through your body. No, thanks. When you said said stones on the move, I had this image of uh, like Gene Kelly doing Gotta Dance and singing in the rain like, (laughs) Gotta Dance and showing up at the Big Apple with his little hat and its glasses and its briefcase because his suitcase. is what it felt like most nights while I was trying to sleep. <laughs> gotta dance, gotta dance, gotta dance. Gonna go into a bad neighborhood <laughs> in a gin joint. Yep, that's what it was like. <laughs> All right, Meredith, take it away. <laughs> All right, um, it's time for mailbag. Um, we did get an email, so it works. Hooray! Our new email works. Um, So this was from Renee. Thank you, Renee. And uh, Renee says, Hillary's Horny Corner submission. Author Talia Hibbert, if I'm saying that correctly. You'll blush, gasp, and frantically check your headphones to ensure no one else can hear it. And your real-life partner will benefit later. And then three emojis. Surprise, grin, and... club? What's that one? Like... (laughs) Winky? <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like fun, though. Cool. Thank you. Um, yep. I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm going to. Yeah, I wonder mm-hmm. if Hillary's already read it or not. Um, maybe that's why she's off this week. Yeah, maybe she has to read that book. <laughs> I feel this made me seem like there's multiple books. Like maybe. Yeah, she should... didn't give us like a specific book. Just so a, that means there's a lot. A bunch. This is filling author. up my queue now. Yep. Get on that Libby app. Interesting. Yep. Talia Hibbert's website is titled Sexy Diverse Romance. Oh, fun. Robots? That kind of diverse? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a Girl Like Her, award-winning author Talia Hibbert. Oh, yes, there's many titles. They have the book covers to go with it. Absolutely. Mm. Maybe not book club. We can do an HHC about it. I'm sure. There you go. Yep. I'll just volunteer Hillary for that. You don't want to read something called The Princess Trap, Bobby? <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe on the eye, on the uh, Kindle. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, if nobody can see what you're doing. Just for him, the complete series? Ooh, Guarding oh. Temptation, a dirty British novella. That'd be short. <laughs> I mean, you know I'm not a prude. Uh, but no, I don't know that I want to... Do we know that? <laughs> wait i've got it i found it i found it mating the huntress a halloween oh. romance Whoa. monsters yeah. and mates book one wow How did listen you guess? it's 2.99 on kindle we need to have that for the in october the tagline is this halloween love bites back hard Ooh, ooh! oh it's Yikes. werewolves those are much better than vampires. Yes. Uninsured. All right. Well, Question we'll have this discussion. Werewolves or vampires? <laughs> and that's the show. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, we did get a bunch of good question of the week responses. Um, to remind you, the question was, what was your weird childhood obsession from our show last week? Um, Joseph says, cows. I don't know. I just really liked cows. Shrug emoji. <laughs> I had this collection of cow paraphernalia that I treasured. I remember a cow bookmark that was rugged, rugged and bendy like Gumby, a cow stuffed animal that mooed when you squeezed it and a cow alarm clock. The clock was on its belly and it would start with the loudest ringing cowbell. Then it would moo and yell in the deepest Jamaican accent. I'm not going to do this. Wake up. Don't sleep your life away on repeat. It had no snooze and it would go forever and wake the whole house until somebody slapped it off. My mom could still go off for 10 minutes about how much she hated that alarm clock. That does sound terrible. Joseph, um, are you sure you're not like a dog? It seems like dog toys. <laughs> yeah. A Gumby, a stuffed, a stuffed cow animal. animal that mooed when you squeezed it. Well, dogs don't like alarm clocks, do they? Yeah, I don't know. I've never had one. One point in the human column for for Joseph. Uh, do you remember before we knew Doja Cat as anything other than bitch I'm a cow? Oh, uh, those were the days, huh? <laughs> um. John says, sort of normal obsession was astronomy and Marvel comics. Weird level was inventing superheroes based on relatively obscure astronomical phenomenon like pulsars and quasars. This was early 80s. They were new then. Like pulsar man? That would be cool. Yeah, give us some examples and some picture. I assume you drew these. Because I I feel like this is like a viable um, monetary opportunity now. I mean, there's room for all sorts of weird superheroes. Yeah, pitch it to Marvel. Why not? Um, Andrew says, um, the lives of the saints. I was basically Winona Ryder in Mermaids until I was in eighth grade. (laughs) At first I was like, the New Orleans saints? (laughs) But no. And Louise says, ghost stories. I think because of R.L. Stein and Ghost Rider and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Ugh, I'm right there with you. I went through a long ghost story phase. I think uh, I think a lot of people in our generation really did. I didn't. I, I was definitely more towards the mystery rather than the ghost story. But there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah. I think I got to the point where I had checked out every single ghost story book in the library. Um, so there's none none left for me to read. And I had to move on to like the Stephen Kings and stuff like that. Yikes. All at once. No other kid was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did I did often check out so many books that I couldn't carry them all. <laughs> uh, I know. Jennifer said, there were various obsessions over the years, but the through lines were hippos and the belief that all objects were sentient. I'd apologize to an accidentally kicked chair leg and ask a cucumber, what you thinking? <laughs> That's adorable. I had like a fear of that. Like I was like, I wonder if these things are actually alive and I'm being mean and then it's going to come back to bite me mm-hmm. later. Oh, I mean, it's a product of too many commercials that have anthropomorphized objects, right? Yeah. It's a good thing Toy Story didn't come out when I was little because... Oh, holy crap. That would have spoken to me in a yeah. weird way. Um, Jessica sent us a big long link, but it was uh, just a Google search for Wesley Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just restarted watching The Next Generation because it's a very good show to fall asleep to when you've already seen them all. And Wesley Crusher's just a little guy in the first couple episodes. He's just a little baby. Poor Wesley and all the Wesley hate. There's nothing wrong with that kid. No, he's adorable. 
Uh, Lane says, I was specifically obsessed with the Poirot episodes of Masterpiece Mystery. And because of that, also art of Edward Gorey. I was also absolutely obsessed with the specific series of Time Life mythology books, which then led me to Bullfinch's mythology and also the Book of Lists, 1977 edition. Of course. They all should be on the shelf at my dad's house. <laughs> and then an Etsy link. Um, click on this. Lane, I'm right there with you on Edward Gorey. That Masterpiece Mystery intro is classic. So good. I miss it. I mean, I don't, I rarely watch mystery anymore, but I, it's still not right that they don't have that. We had a lot of Edward Gorey books when I was a kid because my dad loves kind of twisted cartoons and that fits the bill perfectly. Um, Barb says, the hostages in Iran. I think this might take the cake for the weirdest. Barb. <laughs> Uh, my aunt had been flying there regularly as a flight attendant and loved it. Great shopping and prices, fun people, and the embassy parties were a blast. She was warned to stop by a friend inside the country. Two weeks later, the hostages were taken. It went on so long. I had a calendar that I marked the days on. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. That's I, I know. Funny. Like, what's th what's the reaction to this one, Barb? That definitely is a weird one. I mean, I can see being totally intrigued. Barb gets, she's really into the news. She's, she's not a kid, right? Mm -hmm. She, she likes, still likes the news. So maybe this is the beginning of that. I'm thinking about the age differences. How, what's the right age for your obsession to have been the Chilean miners? <laughs> <laughs> Younger than you, huh? That was in like the, wasn't that like yeah, late 90s? 2010. It was? I think so. Oh, I man. remember because TBTL talked about it. Oh, did they? So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Gregory, this was spoken to me over dinner. This, he didn't put it in Facebook, but, um, he used to make little drawings of inventions. Um, so like he would invent, um, a bicycle or an airplane or a motorcycle or some sort of Rube Goldberg machine. And he would, um, he had pads and pads of these, um, you know, very, very specific and intricate drawings of these things. And that doesn't surprise me because he's still obsessed with all that stuff and he's an excellent drawer. Yeah. He's like our Da Vinci. Yep. Um, and then we got a late breaking submission from Kirby who says horses and dark shadows still love both. Those are Ooh, horses. So I yeah, think... horses. That's a good one. I mean, that's a little girl mm -hmm. thing for sure. Oh, I absolutely. don't know how that got so gendered, but yeah. And Kirby still has horses, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, I have one. I wasn't on the show, but mine was um, stand up comics. And because we had HBO and, no oh. rules. Um, what, what age are you talking about here? Oh, gosh. Um, that would have been in the 80s. Like the So a lot of the jokes I didn't understand. <laughs> so I would watch. They, they had the, um, as they say on the new Sex and the City show, a comedy concert. There would be a comedy <laughs> concert of like Bill Cosby, which was terrible. But I had his whole Bill Cosby himself memorized. We didn't know um, he was terrible at that time. No, we it's didn't okay. know he was terrible at the time. And right. I would just repeat the jokes and it like wouldn't make any sense because they were all about like him having kids. And like I'd <laughs> tell stories about like the kid not going to the shower and not rinsing the shampoo out of their hair. Or like stories about like plain rat, like all these things. And also like... Rosie O'Donnell I was obsessed with Rosie O'Donnell I would watch she had a show on VH1 that was like comedy corner and I would just 
um, absorb all of these shows. I would get the VHS, listen to them over and over again, and then play off as if they were my own jokes. <laughs> so Classic yeah. kid move. Do you think yep. if we went back and watched the Rosie O'Donnell show, it would age well? I've seen some clips. Like, I mean, it's just like Ellen. Like, so that, or do you mean the comedy comp? No, I mean the talk show. Her, her talk show? I think so. Just like, because those all have the same pattern, right? They all like, the producers tell her what to ask, you know, just like all the Jimmy Kimmels and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. same but pattern. what about the koosh balls? They're never going to disintegrate. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. <laughs> There's so still many koosh balls in land. That was perfectly so intact. cool. <laughs> and a lot of like apparati, apparatuses for flinging koosh balls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do you know that the first, um, the first spring break of college, I went to New York City for the first time. And my goal was to go to the Rosie O'Donnell show and I went down there I made signs because it was really like you had to like know someone and then they would give like five standby tickets a day and I went there and I stood out there and then an NBC person came over finally on the second day and was like yeah she's on spring break this week oh no (laughs) No. (laughs) she was like in Florida or something Ah. (laughs) that was embarrassing oh Christy I'm sorry (laughs) dreams crushed yeah that's sad thanks Rosie (laughs) Well, you were on spring break too. Yep. In her defense. Should have known. Should have known. I'm looking at designs for our koosh ball trebuchet. (laughs) I haven't even seen one in years. Are they still a thing? They're on, uh, they're on Amazon. So safe to throw, easy to catch. They had a distinct smell. Yes. That that rubber (laughs) smell. Yeah, like rubber bands, but. Yeah. But different, but you're right. But different, Very yeah. used, d- distinct to koosh. Maybe more like those red rubber balls in gym class. Smoke yeah, kind of but, like those but looser. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we could talk about koosh products all day, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But why don't we move on to the medium talk, which is another uh, edition of our Tishi Cinema Road Trip Spectacular which has been going on now for two years. Do you think we're sort of, I wouldn't say we're in the home stretch yet, but the Western states are so much bigger Mm -hmm. than the Eastern states. Mm -hmm. So while we still have a lot of land to cover, I think we don't have that many states left. And we're also struggling to find movies as the Dakotas proved. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there are a couple we could have done, but, Honestly, who wants to watch movies about the Dakotas? <laughs> None of us, apparently. I mean, we could go to Canada. We could go to Mexico. We could drive mm-hmm. to... I mean, can you drive to South America? Sure. Yes. So... You go across Panama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go across the canal. They you made that canal. can't do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, the road trip can continue. I was just reflecting that we've been doing it for two years and we're still... We still haven't gotten to all 50 states. And so. I'm homesick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just want to sleep in my own bed. I know. We went to Minnesota. That's true. Uh, we we can all stay at my house. I like it. We'll hang out in your cool kitchen. Yeah, the couch is very comfortable. It's a large, large couch for someone to sleep on. But anyway, we are, in fact, uh, um, entering the upper Midwest. Meredith, does Michigan count in the upper Midwest? Or yeah. Not? I mean, it's it? somewhat debatable for some people, but I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And and. 
technically we should count Wisconsin, but we already did Wisconsin a long time ago. Yeah. So we do have Iowa. We're going because remember we were in Oklahoma, Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas, and so from there it's north to Iowa, then Minnesota, and the Dakotas. And we've each picked a movie, as is our usual methodology. And uh, we're going to start with uh, Hillary's movie, because as we said, even though she's not here, we watched the goddamn movie, so we're talking about Mm it. Um, Is this less tied to the theme than when um, Bobby picked the big short (laughs) for a Florida movie? (laughs) Good question. I mean, they scale the damn monument right so yeah. it's pretty iconic i think it's yeah. right in there if you're gonna do dakotas i mean they really did dakotas well and i couldn't tell where was he when he was in the field what state was he there oh that was uh indiana oh, okay so we're talking it's of course ultimate road trip yeah it's yeah a road trip movie <laughs> the the ultimate uh, alfred hitchcock movie north by northwest i think it was number it was like 99 on the top 200 and something movies by some institute. Obviously, I paid a lot of attention, <laughs> but American classic. Sure. Uh, starring that one guy. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Who's well known. Harry uh, Grant. Come on. Yes, Fabi, I was being <laughs> stupid about it. <laughs> he deserves the credit. Is um Cary Grant, he uh he was Archibald Leach, right? That was his given name or am i thinking of someone else no that's oh, it i don't know i think so yeah that uh that's t- i learned that on a fish called wanda is that uh carrie grant's real name was archibald leach uh and so uh i i mean this is hillary's movie so she loves it i can't really talk about it that much because it was the first time i'd seen it had any of you guys seen it before no it's my first time i saw it in the theater um what in 1959 how old are you traveled back in time and i went no the alamo draft house plays old movies um i did a um unintentional double header because i just decided to stay at the theater after seeing mad max fury road so it was a real weird day oh yeah definitely (laughs) weird um but anyway it is a story of mistaken identity where advertising man about town cary grant gets mistaken for a spy by some Russian types? I'm not sure. And they try to kill him. And he's running from them. And the story, a good chunk of it is in New York. Then, as we said, they go to Indiana. They go to Chicago. But the final section of the movie is in South Dakota at Mount Rushmore. And I... <laughs> gosh. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> you can't walk around on the top of Mount Rushmore, guys. And there's no houses up there. <laughs> so you're saying it was fake that wasn't real footage i mean i know it looked extremely real really did very realistic if the villain wanted to have a discreet layer somewhere i think on top of mount rushmore is the perfect (laughs) choice especially the view from like the cafeteria that seems to be there maybe cool building though yeah. I read that they actually did film some stuff at Mount Rushmore. So, oh, okay. There's a picture of them outside uh, or in front of it, at, like dur- that they took during filming somewhere on Wikipedia or something. Yeah, I and mean, obviously the top of Mount Rushmore, that's all soundstage, but they did do some filming in the vicinity. I 
this movie was a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. Did it track as funny for anybody else? Yeah, Yeah. I think that was intentional. Mm -hmm. Especially when, uh, in the beginning, I made note when um, he escaped from the bad guys after they had somehow forced him to drink a bottle of bourbon (laughs) and we're going to push his car off, the stolen car off the road and send him to his death and he managed to get away from them and drive away. His facial expressions in the chase scene where he's drunk and fleeing from them are pretty hilarious look like um what's the driving cat from snl <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Tunes, no! <laughs> that was a really long sequence i mean this movie's like two hours and 20 minutes long or something and they really milked some of those yeah they did it was all right, though. I mean, I didn't. it didn't drag too much. I really enjoyed all the scenes on the train. I was thinking a lot about how travel used to be in the days. I mean, I know that's not like a super original thought or anything, but the, the sort of society aspect of travel on trains, mm-hmm. especially with the dining car and everybody being dressed up and having the, not a sleeper car, what did she call it? A drawing room? She had a whole drawing room car with mm-hmm. the fold-down bed and the bathroom and everything. That's just not how things work today. And I kind of wonder how the costs got shifted so much that you could never afford to travel like that. Um, well, more people. I don't know. Yeah. Human, human labor. I think yeah. that's like, well, you the know. trains aren't subsidized like roads are by the government either. Right. I mean, I think that's got something to do with it. True. Well. It would be nice. I'm not more people like, traveling, so it can't be as fancy. I guess I, I'm not pining for the time when we women had to wear skirts and nylons and heels when they traveled. Yeah, the whole thing but. I was thinking is, how do you continue to look so nice during all this? Like, mm-hmm. I can't yeah, keep my hair looking nice suit. working from home, and yeah. <laughs> It him wearing exactly. that suit the whole time, I'm like, he probably stinks so bad. I know the the suit Ugh, takes a beating. Yeah. That's for sure. It's, it's and hard he's to wearing believe. the same underwear the whole time because you see the them. yellow the yellow boxers. Yes. Yeah, it, it's hard to believe that taking that suit for a sponging and pressing for 20 minutes would return it to yeah. its glory. Yeah, those boxers were white at the start of filming. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing about old movies that always really gets me is when people are like carrying their suitcases around. I'm like, you're going on a two week trip. How is that one little satchel carrying everything that you need? Mm -hmm. I go somewhere for four days and I have to have two suitcases. Well, Mm -hmm. it only takes 20 minutes to get your suit sponged and pressed. Yeah. So you only need two outfits. True. And I suppose you just need two shirts. You just wear the same underwear the whole time. Mm -hmm. Oof. Well, I don't, I don't, this is the problem with talking about Hillary's movie when she's not here. I don't know what else to say about it. It really was our film minor pick. Uh, yeah. From, yeah. From our film minor. I had some quarrels about the final scenes at the house, which was a very cool house. That is a cool yeah, house. It's a really yeah. cool house. Yeah. About, but how Cary Grant was uh, climbing up all the cross beams in his dress shoes <laughs> and how that works. And then at the end, when they were um, climbing down Mount Rushmore, which is a thing that could definitely, definitely happen, she was climbing in nylons and gloves mm-hmm. down Washington's nose. You found that? So you found that unrealistic? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I guess I, I don't do any climbing in. I mean, we suppose they were like 
kid gloves, like technically kid skin or something. I, maybe they're grippy. I don't know. Maybe that helps. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. Anyway, you know, I don't, I am not a film liner. Um, I don't watch a lot of old movies or really any movies these days, but I did, I quite enjoyed it. I watch a lot more movies now because of this road trip. Yeah. 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 I feel like he was a pretty good actor for the time because I feel like when I've watched movies from this era, it's just, they just talk louder Mm. and in that (laughs) transatlantic, um, accent and he just, he didn't just do that. And especially men seem to be like very grumpy businessmen um like that's what they just were louder and grumpier and didn't have very many facial expressions and i i think he did a really good job yep oh i do have a quibble uh in that what was her name jesse royce landis who played Cary grant's mother was eight years older than him oh wow (laughs) and i'm offended and then i eva marie saint i was she 20 or 30 years younger than him she was a lot younger. Yeah. That's well, as it was meant to be back then. That yeah, also hasn't improved true. really that much. Gross. Yeah, but she was 20 if, years younger than him. If you, if anyone watched Mad Men, like the beginning sequence is just, they've just full on ripped that off. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's an ad man who had to, who was assumed to be a different identity, which right. is exactly. So oh, I, I never thought of that. I didn't read anything, but I'm sure that that, this movie was definitely an inspiration. Oh. And that this so movie smart. came out just a few years before the first James Bond movie. Yeah, I was definitely oh. seeing the James Bond parallels mm-hmm. yeah. in there. He's very handsome as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best example of a butt chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could actually be the show title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, let's move along. What came next on the list? I guess we're going to 1989. and That's a big um, jump. <laughs> yep. And a 30-year jump, and we're going from the heights of Mount Rushmore to the Iowa Cornfields, Bobby. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to do Field of Dreams, and then I thought, no, I should do something else. That's a little cliche, and then... I did feel the dreams because it's <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, you <laughs> said, is, I think it's too cliche. And we said, Bobby, do field of dreams. We'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Said, said it's, is it heaven? No, it's Iowa. So <laughs> here we are. And what would you be with me not doing yet another Kevin Costner baseball movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Since we already did Bull Durham. Um, if you do and... Tin Cup later on, we can cons- consider the we cycle complete, even though yeah. that's golf. That would be funny, actually. Where's Tin Cup set? Don't remember. Um, and you know, I've been wa- hate watching Yellowstone, and so it's real. It was really weird to see the age difference. Yeah, he's young. Oh, sure. And this yeah. Funny. Well, this is right I in mean, that same that same groove, right in that same few years. So yeah, he's 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 looking... thirty six, and his life is almost over. What if he doesn't <laughs> achieve anything? Believe me, I had that feeling as I'm now 36. He doesn't have any time left. He's so afraid of turning into his father. (laughs) So, yes, Field of Dreams, 1989, based on the Kinsella book, Shoeless Joe. Tons of problematic things about this movie and the book, actually. Yeah. Um, It it, uh, celebrates 
the Chicago Black Sox who threw the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, uh, for legal reasons, features an author played by James Earl Jones that's definitely not J.D. Salinger. Absolutely not <laughs> nope. J.D. Salinger. I, I mean, <laughs> and now we know that J.D. Salinger is problematic as heck. I mean, not that we, I, I feel like we kind of all Yeah, that's not that. a shock. But now it's out in the open. Yeah, and there's definitely no way that everyone would have been cool with this black guy just hanging out. Mm-mm. Like, <laughs> with all these uh, 1919 baseball players. Uh, so, they've learned a lot in the intervening years in heaven, I guess. I guess. Heaven in the cornfield. Um, you know, Kevin Costner is Kevin Costner. He's great. Amy Madigan is... The other alternative to Holly Hunter when she's busy doing something else in 1989. <laughs> that's true. Totally. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, and, and they're 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 great. And um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Ray Liotta. Well, I mean, yes, it's it's a the youngest, oldest. It's it's the first chance Xad ever cut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, Timothy Busfield, Busfield, oh, yeah. young Timothy Busfield, who plays such an asshole, and then suddenly he gets it. Uh, yeah, always uh, reliable to play like an annoying schmuck. Yeah, he yeah. has to first almost kill his niece, and then he gets it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, this movie must be the reminder that you have to cut kids' hot dogs down the middle too. Yes. <laughs> right. That was a big deal. I, f- I remember like thinking about that a lot when I was a kid. They're the most deadly, like. Food. They're and throat then shaped. Like, yeah. And yeah. slippery. <laughs> right. So do, do we need to do a plot synopsis? Yes. They, you know, hippies, rebellious, mellow, decide to buy a farm in Iowa, grow corn, have just enough land to barely break even. And then Kevin Costner starts hearing voices in his head telling him to build a fucking baseball stadium. <laughs> or at least a baseball field. That's not really a stadium. Uh, and in doing so, both burns down the family savings to do it and mm. cuts into the crop yield enough that they cannot make money and pay their bills. Good so decision. to lose their home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Working on a hallucination. Because, and yet his wife, the not Holly Hunter Amy Madigan, is completely supportive of this up until the point where they're going to lose their home. And even then, really, she like... She doesn't want to wreck his dream. She wants him to, you know, feel good that he's not turning into his father. But she is a little bit more practical about all of this than he is. And she, but she also kept it secret from him. Like he didn't know how bad it was. True. Because she wanted to give. She him didn't his want to ruin chance. his trip. Yeah. yeah. She's a nicer. Spouse yeah. Men, male egos are like, <laughs> wow, powerful. So he hears voices, builds the thing, and then sure enough, eventually, Shoeless Joe Jackson, played by the definitely not left-handed Ray Liotta, (laughs) comes wandering out of the cord and wants to play some baseball. This movie is where my lifelong crush on Ray Liotta began. It doesn't matter how many like beady-eyed, stone-cold killers he plays. I will always see him as that just gorgeous young Shoeless Joe Jackson. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how much eyeliner he wears. He's such pretty eyes. He doesn't such need eyeliner. Pretty eyes. He's got the prettiest <laughs> eyes in all of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. easily. And before you know it, more of the Chicago Black Sox are there. And uh, then some other friends and the legends of old-timey baseball. Uh, and they play games, but nobody can see them because nobody else believes or something to that effect. No one else is schizophrenic. 
Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just uh, something in the water at that farmhouse. It would have been so much cheaper for him to go to therapy for his daddy issues, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Questions include... Um, how did he know how to build a baseball field? And it was built so quickly. Right. Like I get that he loves, like, I love baseball. I grew up going to baseball games. I, I know, like, I would say I could know the dimensions of a baseball field. Like I could, but like someone who barely had any skill as a farmer suddenly knows how to manage a beautiful, pristine baseball and no internet internet to check. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And no help. They didn't have any help. I can sort of go with it. Until we get to the point of where he puts the banks of light poles up. Yep. Yeah, there's a scene where he's just buying, like, th- two lights and yeah. putting them on the back of the truck. Yeah. And I was like, no, you need, like, 40 lights. I don't know. And, and a crane. The electricity for that possibly would be Scaffolding. Right? Yeah, electricians. <laughs> um, this is an undertaking here that we'd be making. And how much money did they actually have in savings? Like, millions of dollars? Yeah, I guess. Right? I mean, how, how expensive can it be? To make a baseball field, Christy. Didn't they really make it and it was like $8 million? I don't know. I think so. Well, yeah, because MLB just a couple of years ago. Oh, well, the the movie one. Also, um, practical effects. The scene at the very end when cars, spoiler alert, people can now see them. When when cars are lining up and they're selling the American dream of feeling good at 20 bucks a pop, um, and, and people come from all over, as promised by the ghosts, um the cars lining up that's not like an effect they just got like everyone in the county to drive down this road and turn their lights on mm-hmm. wow yeah uh and yeah they're buying those lights at the seed and feed like <laughs> sure <laughs> doesn't make sense if they even have them there's a lot of holes in this plot but at any rate uh he builds it turns out Daddy issues. Turns out his dad was a minor league ball player for a minute and a half, and he's there, and they get to reconcile by they having have a, a catch. catch. Yeah. And that's when I cry. Yeah, yeah. How could you not? I, I think it's one of the sort of loveliest moments between a father and son in film history. For all the corniness <clears throat> of the movie that I didn't recognize, I mean, it's probably been 25 years since I've seen it. And I, one of my notes was, this is a lot sillier than I remember Mm -hmm. it being. A lot sillier and a lot cornier. Yeah. But still, it has moments that get you. Did you say cornier on purpose? Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Costner knows that what he's doing is ridiculous. Yep. And so that, I think, is what helps that, right? Like... And also, stacked cast. You know, we're saying this, and I mentioned Timothy Busfield... I didn't bother to mention Gabby Hoffman and and Burt Lancaster also oh, in this movie. Lancaster. <laughs> Another Archie. Archibald. Yeah, that's true. Archibald Moonlight Graham. Yep. So uh just I don't know. This is a, I probably a movie I watched two dozen three dozen times as a kid Ooh. on VHS and then didn't watch for thirty years and then watched again this week. And so what are the central themes of this movie, right? We've got the daddy issues, like make, don't leave in anger, right? Mm-hmm. Maintain right. your relationship with your father. Um, um, having the courage to do something crazy. 
it's it's religion. It's baseball is religion. Mm-hmm. It's it's a blind faith thing. He's yep. it's it's Noah's Ark, but it's Ew. baseball. Yeah, that's an interesting mm-hmm. parallel. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I also put I put down man's search for meaning. Like, how do you find meaning in your life? And right. I suppose that would go through that faith angle as well. Bobby, how long does it take to drive? from iowa to boston do you know (laughs) uh a long time especially when you add a detour to what was it minnesota minnesota yeah well here's the thing um chisel minnesota where they went to meet moonlight graham is about three hours north of the twin cities so all told i'm thinking that drive was between six and eight hours so the long scenes of them driving through the day and then through the night, I was like, what route are they taking? <laughs> In that car that maybe can go 50 miles an hour. <laughs> so Iowa City to Boston is 18 hours. Okay. I mean, they didn't, I would say, I wouldn't say that I could uh, say no, that time wouldn't work because they didn't really show very much of that right. part of the movie. So I guess, but I was like, come on now. I mean, Iowa and Minnesota are next to each other. It doesn't take that long. <laughs> also, apparently the trick to finding the location of a recluse author in a big city is to just slip a few bucks to the local pump jockey. Yeah, I that was remarkably easy for him to find. Mm-hmm. Not all J.D. Of these Salinger. Movies before cell phones was just like, oh, I'll just show up and figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's what you had to do, right? But. Um, so what about this PTA movie uh, meeting that they had? Oh, yeah. Our nice little tangent about book burning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. can we talk about the Nazi cow? Was that realistic for 1989? It's realistic for today. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a school district yeah. by me that is banning to kill a mockingbird. So, uh, yes. But that's not how it goes in Iowa. I don't know. You don't think that they ban books in Iowa? I don't think the PTA meetings are like that. Nobody gets called a Nazi cow. Let me tell you that. (laughs) I can tell you for sure. Well, not as a put down, maybe as a compliment. Yeah. (laughs) I guess guess maybe the acting was bad enough that it rang really false Mm -hmm. for me. Well, you know, I so I just I typed like book banning 1989 into a Google just to see a Google. Uh, and it's, uh, let's see, Catcher in the Rye, speaking of Salinger, was banned from a Boron, California high school in 1989 because it contains profanity. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> the color purple, another favorite of oh. ours. Oh, well, those lesbians got to be banned. Bag, banned in Saginaw and Chattanooga in 1989. So, you know, I guess it was maybe more prevalent than we thought of mice and men tuscaloosa chattanooga pine bluff a lot of a lot of places that aren't iowa but i guess i'm not quibbling with the idea that people would be banning books in 1989 i just thought that wasn't the way it all would have gone my parents weren't the pta type so i have zero like i don't know (laughs) i don't know how those went well i will say this movie proves that nobody wears a white Henley like Costner. Mm-hmm. Nobody did before. Nobody ever has since. Uh, we should just do a Kevin Costner episode. Although now we've started to burn some of our real estate. 
It's plenty. Well, there's plenty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But when we bring Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves into it, which I talk about childhood obsessions when I was 14, I really liked that movie. So that road trip is going to have to go somewhere really personal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's it. Feel the dreams. Go watch it. All right. End of end of pitch. Yeah, I. It's nice. It's it. Like I said, it's very silly, but it has a good heart. Yeah. It's very. It's yeah. It's a terrible baseball movie. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good movie, but it's a terrible baseball movie. Because both it's not of those about baseball, can, yeah. right? Both of those things can coexist. Yep. All right. Well, let's travel down the road a short while and head into uh, Meredith's movie, Meredith. Yes. So now we are in the small town of Endora, Iowa, and we're going to find out what's eating Gilbert Grape. Um, what is eating Gilbert Grape? Good question. Is that um, a good title or the worst title ever? Perhaps the worst and perhaps the worst last name. I mean, his last yeah. name is Grape. <laughs> yeah. So let's just run through this. Johnny Depp is Gilbert Grape. Leonardo DiCaprio is Arnold, Arnie Grape. Nice. Um, and then their their mother is Bonnie Grape. Um, the sister Amy Grape, and then another sister mm-hmm. Ellen Grape. Terrible, <laughs> terrible <laughs> names. <laughs> um, but this is a great, great cast. We've got Juliette Lewis. We've got Mary Steenburgen. Um, uh, Mary Steenburgen's role in this movie is just oh, so good. Yeah, so good. <laughs> she's so horny. John she's C. Riley, so Crispin Glover. Um, it's just a great uh, cast. And this, this is. A, Another one that I have seen, I don't know, probably as many times as you've seen Field of Dreams, Bobby, like probably 30 or 40 times. Um, I was obsessed with this movie when I was a kid um, because I was interested in autism and Arnie, um, little Leonardo DiCaprio. They don't explicitly say that. I don't think that he's autistic, but he's definitely autistic. Um, And it's, uh, you know, uh, Gilbert, Johnny Depp, is working in a small grocery store being seduced by Mary Steenburgen, who is married. Um, And he's kind of like, I don't know, his life feels kind of out of control. He doesn't really know um, what he's doing. He doesn't have a lot of direction. He's got a lot of rage. Um, His father has committed suicide, so he's sort of acting as the father in his stead. Um, I think it's a few years after the dad dies that the movie starts and he's got to take care of Arnie a lot of the time. And Arnie is obsessed with, um, for among other things, climbing the water tower in the town. They live in this little town and, um, that eventually becomes important. Um, but there's, there's kind of like a, like a Walmart aspect to it because a big supermarket opens and it's try it's like going to shut down the little grocery store where Gilbert works. Um, so that's kind of adding another chink to his armor. Um, but then there is a uh, a trailer cavalcade or something coming through town. And Juliette Lewis and her grandma are on, uh, on a, a, a trailer and they break down in the town. And, of course, uh, Gilbert and Becky, who's Juliette Lewis, um, start to fall in love. And Arnie kind of has to get in the way of things, of course, and, and throw wrenches into works. Um, and then there's also the fact of his mother and his mother is played by Darlene Cates. And she is after her husband dies, she just basically turns off and spends her life in front of the TV eating and becomes extremely obese. And 
Okay, there's a lot of like potential <laughs> really terrible things about this movie. And one that, Anne, you mentioned, of course, is a not, you know, a neurotypical person playing a, a neuroatypical person, which was a really popular thing to do, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, in that time in frame, the for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a whole spate of those. And I was interested in all of them. I loved Rain Man. I, you know, this one, um, there was... Uh, my sister's key... What was the... My sister... I think Juliette Lewis played. She yes, she was in one a few years after this. It was called yeah. the other sister. The other sister. Yes. yes. Oh, and Johnny Depp. Speaking of him, there was Benny and June. Mm-hmm. Yep. There um, was there was a radio. There was I am Sam. I am Sam. Yep. yep. Yeah. So um, not sure a great more. not a great thing. Um, but of course, at the time, Leonardo DiCaprio's performance was like was definitely praised. Um, and you know what? He's great. He mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There are some really heartbreaking. That was scenes. one of his first movies. He's right? very young in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I read a thing about how he like actually went to a like I don't know what he called it, but like a hospital where they where kids live, like when their parents like send them away so to an live. institution or something. Institution. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. And he just like studied people, and like so his first role he um learned like um method <laughs> he went very method yeah. apparently yeah yeah i mean it is impressive as as kind of icky as that whole concept yeah. is i mean yeah. i really admired his performance but i also f- was deeply uncomfortable yes. watching it yes and watching it again yeah it 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 didn't i didn't understand all of that when you know i was what 1993 i was i was 11 when this movie came out so I didn't fully understand what was going on there. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely has a yuck factor about that. Um, and, you know, the way that they deal with the mother, she's kind of homebound. She doesn't she doesn't leave the house. She, did bear, she does, hasn't even been upstairs in her own house. She just stays on the couch uh, because she's so big. And uh, eventually the fact that Arnie keeps climbing the water tower, he gets arrested and she's basically forced to go to leave the house and go to town and and bail him out of jail um and it's just a heartbreaking scene because everybody in the town is like driving by slowly and laughing at her and you know throwing stuff at her and 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 teasing her and it's just terrible Um, i quibble with the laughing part i can understand the staring part but taking pictures though Mm -hmm. we don't do that stuff in the midwest no we're just much more circumspect there would be no pointing and laughing. No, people are not that like overt. <laughs> nope. Um, but you know, this was actually filmed in Texas, so you know, it wasn't actually filmed in Iowa at all. <laughs> I mean, you, it's a cinematic, yeah, choice, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of shorthand in that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's um, of course this budding love story. And uh, eventually kind of Gilbert figures out what he, you know, what he needs to do with, with his life and, and his family. Um, the, the, do I need to describe the, the end of the movie? <laughs> I think it's kind of important um, yeah. to spoil yeah. it. It's been long enough if you haven't seen it by now. Um, the mother, um, after, after Arnie's 18th birthday party, she goes upstairs to her bedroom for the first time since her husband died and she dies um arnie tries to wake her up and and she's she's gone um 
the I think it's the cops come and they can't figure out how to get her out of the house and so they're going to come back the next day with a crane and this just like is it's a bridge too far and um the siblings decide to burn the house down with her in it um to spare her the the humiliation of being taken out of her own house in a crane i was thinking so hard are they breaking any laws doing this? I mean, it's, well, it's their property. It's arson, their house. Right? They I mean, don't have insurance, so they're not going to be making a claim. She's already dead. I was like, there has to be some consequences. I don't think it's okay to just this, burn right? a body like that. Like, yeah, I'm sure de- that's desecration, desecration of a human body. Yeah. Sure. But the but I think the local police, like, no. Like, oh, they for knew sure. They her, and they... They wouldn't have I think everybody is looking the it. other way. But yeah, technically, I think that's probably illegal on a couple levels. I don't well, know. Well, let's try it. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens. I'm like <laughs> yeah. starting an uncontrolled fire in a right. farmland. Yeah. In <laughs> Iowa, like it's probably dry and, you know, you could just set the whole prairie summer. on fire. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> so I don't know. Did you guys have th- thoughts about this movie? I feel like I've seen it so many times. I. Me too. I... Yeah, I, I had I, another movie I remember seeing a lot when I was young and then hadn't seen in a long time. And I didn't fully understand it as much as I do now, but I still felt myself wincing <laughs> and cringing yeah. through so much of this movie. Yeah. Oh, it's so awful. I mean, it's it's so good, but so awful. I mean, the subject matter is so complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a part where... Gilbert is giving Arnie a bath. I think that's my least favorite part of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And he runs out for a minute and then uh, leaves Arnie alone. Um, He he wants to go hang out with his girlfriend. And he gets home really late. And Arnie has not removed himself from the bathtub. So he's just like shivering and freezing in the tub for hours and hours. I failed to understand that nobody else used the bathroom that entire time. <laughs> yeah, he's got two yeah. sisters. Well, they're bitches, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I would... I was not looking forward to watching this movie. I have not seen it because, as I said to you, I just historically have refused to watch these types of movies at all, especially because they're so often... You know that trope that um, the magical Negro trope, yes. boy, that makes me uncomfortable even to say that, where, you know, it's the one black person in the movie who exists to teach the white person a mm-hmm. lesson and make them a better person. There's this analog for somebody who is developmentally disabled being the central character of a movie or, you know, a big part of the movie. And I, I don't know, I would call that the saintly simpleton. <laughs> yeah kind of thing where you know if we could just all learn from Arnie our lives would be better and we'd be better people and I I have to say I was pleasantly surprised that this is not that movie no is that he is portrayed as a fully realized person with all the good and the bad Mm -hmm. that comes from that and you can understand how difficult it must be to live with him and have to take care of him but you can also see how they love him so I wasn't expecting such a sympathetic and nuanced portrayal of that I would also say that I think the best character 
in the movie was the mother Mm -hmm. because I felt that she had a sort of a, a, a dignity and a beauty and a depth of character. And we're still not at a point in society where fat people are anything other than a pathetic punchline. Right. And they showed how very much her children loved her and how much she loved them. And she was deep in the throes of mental illness. Extremely depressed. Yeah. 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 But again, such a, a sympathetic portrayal that I really commend them for that. So I guess, well, I can't say like I enjoyed the movie. I'm not upset that you chose it, Meredith. Oh, good. I was really worried you were going to be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll save that for Christie's movie. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> I thought that I did think that the scenes I've always found the scenes with with Arnie and his mom to be really, really sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, like we said, we, we just weren't that evolved back in that time where we realized how gross that was yeah. to, as you said, have the neurotypical person playing a neuroatypical person. And I, I, I did spend a lot of time trying to figure out what, who, what kind of, I, oh, I so lack the language of this, what, what kind of affliction does he have because i would have said yeah like severe autism but then there was all that stuff about how they said that he wouldn't live past the age of 10 and is that part of well i think people with severe autism can have shortened lifespans yeah oh i thought that it was just that they just didn't know what was going on yeah i felt like it was a little bit of a like smorgasbord of there's a good midwestern word for you yep. of sort of different qualities of neuroatypical people but i recognized all of them you know and i i thought about you a bit bobby because you have you i know you had that job in the group home where you mm-hmm. probably came into contact with a lot of people who were not dissimilar to this character i sort of wondered what your take on it was yeah none of them were young famous child actors <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, it, that's so awkward because no, no two people are the same, even when it comes to the way people present different attributes from having disabilities of, of various stripes. Um, it didn't entirely surprise me, but also I've seen this movie since I was a kid, so it's hard to know, you know, what's just known from, from knowing that and Mm -hmm. from media. I mean, uh, lots of elements of this movie just. First, I the first half of the movie, I thought, wow, this really hasn't aged well. And then as things evolve a little bit more, I'm like, actually, maybe it has because we're all still just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the experience wasn't entirely dissimilar to some situations I had back then. You know, um, I I worked in a in a fairly stable home where people were long term residents but I also took some shifts at a place that was essentially like a, um, an all ages daycare where people could drop their kids for two or three days at a time. And I use the term kids loosely. They might've been young adults, um, as sort of a vacation for them and for the family. And so the difference there was you never quite knew what you were walking into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have six or seven 
temporary residence, essentially. Um, the fun part about that job is every day was a vacation day for them. So every day we would just be doing activities, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we would go bowling or go do this or that or whatever, and it would always be fun. But it was a lot of public management of a lot of people for right. their safety. Right. Yeah. And it was very awkward. Um, and uh, people do stare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and I honestly, I don't, it, that's just human nature, right? Yeah. To yeah, to watch it, the thing that's sort of non-typical. Yeah. yeah, and when I, when I worked in the mall, at the store in the mall, uh, we did have some fairly regular outings from the group home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could you could tell they were there because there was such a good echo in the mall (laughs) that the kids like to holler and hear Mm -hmm. their own voices. And they would quite often come, I don't know, like five or six, like you said, Bobby, kind of teen, young adult types in with a couple of caregivers. And it always made me so nervous, not, you know, because there's anything wrong with them, but just because I'm responsible for all the merchandise in the store and they're you know not don't quite understand the rules in the same way you know the societal rules of shopping that some people did but you know they always had a nice time and never really heard anything but it was always just puts you put me a little on edge because I just didn't know what was going to happen Yeah, we had a a classroom, I think I've mentioned this before, when I was in fifth grade of autistic kids, and um, they ranged from savants to pretty much nonverbal, never would be verbal. Um, And it was always kind of a surprise, like, you know, at recess, um, I remember one kid would, um, you know, they don't care about, um, like, what's decent uh, you know, rule wise. Um, so I remember one kid just deciding that he needed to pee and he just peed on the tire swing, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. And so, um, we were all used to it. It wasn't a big deal. It was just like, Oh, tell the teacher. Um, but I, I, I guess I, I'm trying to think of why I assumed he was autistic. My mom has always worked in adolescent mental health. And I think that must've been her diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So I trust that, but very interesting. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. At the time, I thought that it was like a birth defect because of how they kept saying that he could die. Mm-hmm. Like that something had happened during um, his birth. I mean, that... he might be, yeah, he might have some brain damage or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Also, how many times before they just block off the water tower somehow? <laughs> right. Yeah, they really should have cured that a little bit better. <laughs> right. Um, and the other mm. thing I guess I want to say is I sort of thought Johnny Depp was the weakest part of this movie. For sure. And he thought it was going to be his Oscar. Yeah. Like, I couldn't tell. I'm like, is it because I dislike Johnny Depp so much now? He plays a really unpleasant I'm... character. Yeah. yeah. Did does... his hair get oranger? It's through the very movie long and orange in this one. They yeah. dyed it a weird color. Yeah. It was kind of <laughs> icky. They put like the almost the worst clothes on him, mm-hmm. like the sort of most drab colors, which I guess could be, you know, a signpost to his interior life and how he's suffocating. But I thought, I mean, he sort of underplayed it to the point where it was sort of nothing. 
Yeah. Juliet Lewis, on the other hand, really leaning into that early nineties. Oh ulti. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is she? She always plays Manic the coolest Pixie person. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, I really like her. Um, yeah, and that's the thing is, was it the part, like because his you know character is just this put upon person who's also depressed and feels like the like he has to take care of everybody in his family mm-hmm. all the time right and he has these dreams of getting out but he knows he'll never get out right he has no future for himself be under the exactly. weight of the obligations to his family who right. he loves and wants to take care of mm-hmm. but he's also dealing with the death of his father and the potential loss of his job and this disastrous relationship and yeah <laughs> and he he said my dad like he took the easy way out and my brother got out right like they that was the one of the first lines is my brother got Mm -hmm. out like um so he's feeling jealous but he knows he would never be able to do that himself so was it the character that it's just this like kind of boring like person or was it how johnny played it i would think that I mean, for what we just laid out here for the troubles of his life, the deck is stacked to mm-hmm. make me feel sympathy for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you didn't. The fa- I mean, I you didn't. know, <laughs> sort of in an academic way, I guess. Mm-hmm. I felt sorry for the character, but he should have been able to smash that one out of the park with the yeah. hand that he had character wise there. And I felt like he just didn't. Yeah, I always really disliked the violent scenes. Um, yeah, and I still don't like them. Yeah, yeah. but I've found them realistic. Yeah, I mean that's why they mm-hmm. have Bobby's caregiver respite facilities, yep. mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that stuff like that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, so that was a, a thought provoking, interesting, um, sort of heartfelt look at one family. Uh, Christy, why don't you take us into 1999 and look into another small town that has a a neuroatypical character. Yeah. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Very heartwarming. Um, So I chose Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, the only thing I, I, I loved this movie when it came out. The only thing I remembered about it was a tap dancing, um, person that worked in the funeral home. Um, I had forgotten (laughs) three seconds of the movie. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I had forgotten almost everything about the movie. Um, so it's mockumentary style, kind of like a Christopher Guest type situation um it wants to be a christopher oh totally totally and that's basically what it was right like it's trying to be like the dark comedy version of that and um i feel like it had high hopes for what it wanted to be like it wanted to make statements against patriotism and gun culture and beauty pageants and classism but it was so over the top that it kind of missed the mark. That's what I believe. Okay, so um, it's about the Sarah Rose American American Team Princess Pageant. Um, it takes place in Mount Rose, Minnesota. Is that a real place, Anne? Uh, no, it's actually um, the screenwriter grew up in a town called Rosemount, Minnesota, oh. which is a suburb of the Twin Cities. Okay. So, uh, I mean, that very creative twist. Right. You mean those sin-filled... The sin-filled twin 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 cities. Oh yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> sin cities. Get sin it? Sin cities. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and it's a story about, um, and it, it's a documentary, a documentary film crew goes to um, document this, like this little town having their version that will then go on to state and then national. And Amber Atkins, uh, this was an all-star cast. Now, I can't put my brain back to 1999 to know if this was like that huge that all these people were in it. But it's huge now. Um, Kirsten Dunst. How do you say it? Dunst? Mm-hmm. Dunst. Um, Denise Richards. Ellen Barkin. Um, Allison Gianni. Kirstie Alley. Like, so many people. Brittany Murphy. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, Amy Adams in her very first film uh, ever, which was a very um, Oof, interesting character. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, they, it's um, them getting ready for the pageant. And they're all individually interviewed. And there's the um, Amber Atkins is um, very poor. And she she her dream is to become Diane Sawyer. <laughs> and so and Diane Sawyer won a pageant. And so she knows that this will be the way that she will become Diane Sawyer is like Im- um, imitating her life, I guess, step by step. Um, and also their scholarships. Of course, we find out later that they're 25 and $50, <laughs> which didn't even cover the cost of any of their costumes. But um, it's a very steep comp- competition this year because um, Becky, who is played by Denise Richards, which one thing I do appreciate is that Denise Richards didn't even try to have a Midwest accent when oh, everyone God. else did try mm-hmm. yeah she just had a southern accent i don't know if that's her real and she's like nope not changing it or if she's like no i feel like becky would talk like this i don't know what what I was happening she's there. not a very good actress that that too so i mean although this may be her best film uh um, starship troopers yes yeah. same scene. what was the james bond Oh yeah, she was Christmas, she, right? I forgot. Christmas Jones, comes the, once yeah. nuclear. <laughs> the world is not enough. Yeah. So, um, sh- and she's favored to win because her mother Gladys Lehman was a former beauty queen and was the former, um, what is it, Sarah Rose Miss. Mount yeah. Rose, Minnesota. And, and runs the pageant now. Runs the pageant. Is, didn't, isn't a judge this year. She stepped down, you know, because favoritism. Oh, yes. But she did handpick the rest of them and probably threatened them. And um, all of the other people who are good enough to win start mysteriously dying. Um, a tractor blows up. Um, Kirsten Dunst is supposed to be first and then she goes eighth because you know diane sawyer and and a light falls on that person so there's lots of things that are happening and it's obvious that um becky is doing it because she is the president of the lutheran sisterhood gun club and has lots of Um, guns like you don't get a high school letter for that that's not affiliated with the high school (laughs) (laughs) and it was like every scene of her with a gun was i got this one for my birthday i got this one for christmas and she's like shooting out like brains of people on the shooting shoot them up things posters or whatever they are targets (laughs) targets that's the word (laughs) um yeah so that's that's what the story is and the problematic character is maybe a judge is he a judge i forgot 
No, he's, he's the, the brother. brother of the judge. I mean, you and say the problematic. I was going to say which one are you? Oh yeah, about? I mean, there's a yeah. lot. The most problematic character. Yeah, it's Will, Sasso. Will Sasso, and didn't need to be in there. Like it didn't no. even make sense. They could have taken that out, and it would have been exactly the same. Actually, it would have been better because. Right. Well, if if I can interject in the yes. IMDb trivia, so for what that's worth. Uh, one entry says most of Will Sasso's scenes were added during reshoots after producers producers complained that too few of the male characters were relatable. Uh, so they added gosh. that relatable character. What? I guess he is relatable to most men. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. You related, right, Bobby? Uh yeah, especially with the when he know, took his penis open. out. Yeah, yeah. And those overalls, you, you and he got caught the in the yeah. car. Yep, and he got, he got stuck there yeah. and just couldn't kids figure threw out how stuff to get at him. I yep. uh, that is ridiculous reason to add that character. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it even worse. Um, yeah, questions, yeah. comments. Okay, so they were going like you said for dark comedy mockumentary. Mm-hmm wannabe christopher guest mm-hmm. i think we can agree that they did not succeed yeah but they were trying to be offensive right clearly clearly mm-hmm. yeah and they i were. i agree they succeeded in that mm-hmm. but i don't mm-hmm. necessarily think the way they intended like i kept waiting to laugh yeah and it kept being like they thought they made a funny joke there didn't they yeah. I mean, I thought Allison Janie was great. Yep. I mean, she, yep. Yep. she <laughs> despite this whole movie, I think she did a great job. Um, yeah. And she was the she was the part that I liked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought Kirsten Dunst was actually really good. She mm-hmm. was cute. Now, yeah. she nailed the accent. I yeah, was, I was going to say she actually did a good job. I was prepared to be very upset about the accents because that's the go to for mm-hmm. movies about my people, like Kirstie right? Alley's so bad, was so bad, so terrible. Well, she said she based it off of Frances McDormand in Fargo, and no. I'm like, well, come on now. Number one, you are not half the actress. No, don't she even is. try. Come and number on. two, this is a different thing. <laughs> it, she was doing a parody accent too, but in a much subtler way. But you know, it's it's one of those things where pretty much every movie that contemporary movie that gets made that involves Minnesota they have to go for the accents Mm -hmm. and it always makes it seem like we are simpletons or bumpkins or stupid or something like that I mean I don't know how you guys privately feel about me but that's not how I identify (laughs) so I you know you also don't sound like that Well, well, I, I hope don't... not, because nobody, nobody does, does, except for maybe some super old men up in the Iron Range kind of get into that territory. Honestly, but... I think it's kind of unfair that you guys get that rap, because Southeast Michigan people have that accent, and it's gross, <laughs> and I hate it. Wisconsiners have that, mm-hmm. you know, accent. It's, I don't know, but I, I think uh, Fargo really pegged Didn't it. Didn't you mean, yeah. don't you know? Don't, don't, you don't, know. don't you know? And we do say oofta, okay? We do. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> and we do say ope. Yep, so <laughs> that's we. a thing that we say, um, but it makes a lot of sense. It's very useful yeah. words. These are everybody understands, but I don't know. It just feels uh, like everybody wants to mock the Minnesotans. It's like how um, Southern people complain that they're always portrayed as stupid right. because of the accent. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, yeah, Southern accent lazy. is like shorthand for dumb. 
Yeah, it's cheap and it's lazy and mm-hmm. I don't like it. And Kirstie Alley does a legendarily bad yes. job of it. But I but like what I started saying before I went into a rant, Kirsten's Dunst accent was good. Mm-hmm. It was enough of the parody and it but it still was pretty realistic. Well, if she's gonna be a yeah. newscaster, she's gonna have to get rid of it all. Yeah. That's so. right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So I wasn't mad about that, but I just think that they hit so hard on things that aren't things. Like they talked about eating lutefisk. Nobody yeah. eats lutefisk except my grandma at Christmas. Um, that you know, they talked about the Mall of America. Hat tip: that was not the Mall of America they went to when they pulled up to like in a service level parking lot across from a Target. I was like, <laughs> that's that's not the Mall of America. So I mean, I, I don't know. I, then I read they filmed at Eden Prairie Center, which is like 15 minutes away from the Mall of America. I'm like, maybe their filming permit got denied oh. or something. I don't know. Or too uh, many they just, people. They didn't, yeah. they just like did enough research to hit on the big things that aren't really things anymore. I don't know. They they had some townspeople wearing cowboy hats. We don't wear cowboy hats in Minnesota. Yeah. All the farmers wear ball caps. Nobody wears a cowboy hat. So I don't know. It was just like, like you're not even mocking us correctly it weird weird i don't know then they went to the hospital to visit the previous year's winner of the sarah rose pageant Oof. and they went to the the sign said anorexia slash bulimia wing where do they have an, an eating disorder wing well again that i think they're leaning in just this was the problem with the parody of a lot of this movie is yeah, that they, they either leaned in too far yeah. or not far enough in different spots. I mean, yeah. I worked yeah. at a hospital that had that, but it was a psychiatric inpatient hospital. And there's only one right. of them in the state that has an eating disorder unit. And that's what they would call yeah, it. That was on about beauty pageants. And yeah, that was like that. The, yeah, right. there, there's no eating disorder wing in the Mount Rose Hospital. No. <laughs> the Eden Prairie Center Mall, which was used for Drop Dead Gorgeous. Also used, and actually, for some reason, something I knew in the back of my mind, for mall rats. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think we may have discussed that at some point, because I wouldn't know why I would know that otherwise. But Who knows? You know, I mean, I don't understand. Them. There's no reason to make a big deal about the Mall of America if you're not even going to show an exterior of <laughs> Mall of America. Right. I, I don't get just it. Because it's called the Mall of America. Of America. Yeah. And yes. it is in that scene where she talks about the theme of past pageants, isn't it? That was hilarious. A-OK in the USA, made yeah. in America. Made in America. <laughs> and it was around the t- the early years of the Mall of America. I think that was maybe like 93, 94, 95 was when it first opened. So we're still within the first decade. Yeah, so everybody I suppose. was very excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, nobody who lives in Minnesota cares about the Mall of America. That place and, is a tourist trap. But And what? why do you hate America? Um, uh, let's see. Lip Where to begin? Tards. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the land of the free because of the brave hand. Right. <laughs> I forget. I just, I can't remember that, Bobby. The thing that I did chuckle at internally, like I, I never did an outward laugh, but when the mom's trailer, when their trailer blows up and she has a beer can fused to her hand for the rest of the movie. <laughs> I thought that was like mildly funny. <laughs> She's oh, so great, Ellen Barkin. There was another. Here's another good IMDb trivia fact. Um, 
Rather than Ellen Barkin and Kirstie Alley, the first choices for those characters were Goldie Hawn and Sigourney Weaver. Ooh. Oh, wow. Now that's intriguing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What Sigourney Weaver would have done for that part. I know, was that before or after Working Girl? Because I could kind of see that being in the same. I guess Working Girl was quite a ways before that. So she had that yeah. reputation for being able to play that bad guy. Yeah, I the talent, minus Christy Alley, um, <laughs> was really good in this movie. Even like the smaller roles, um, offensive though they were, had like really good actors in them. I just think that they were um, directed in ways that did not uh, bring out their best. Let's yeah. put it that way. Oh, and I also thought, speaking of James Bond, this movie is worse than any James Bond movie for false endings. You know, in the James Bond, you have the big action climax, and you're like, well, that's the end of it. Oh, no, there's more. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, now the speedboat crash. This is the... Oh, no, it's not. (laughs) This movie, she won the pageant, which would be a perfect place to end the movie, but then they had to send her to Minneapolis for... The statewide pageant, which she won by default. And I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, and I guess we're... But then they had to send her to the national pageant. And I'm like, what are we achieving Mm -hmm. with tacking all this stuff on? I mean, they could have come up with some other way to have her grab the microphone from the reporter who just got shot and do her (laughs) Diane Sawyer impression. Like, they could have done that a lot of different ways. And I really was mad about the Minneapolis pageant because I hate vomit scenes in movies i hate 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 them (laughs) and in real life and this was a shellfish uh buffet gone bad where the entire you know mall is basically barfing on each other from three stories up and i just wanted to die excuse me it's the hojo by the airport (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) it's a real stand by me moment though the airport it it was great that it was bankrupt that's true i mean I, those false endings, I think they did accomplish some things. Like, I, I like that she went to the big statewide pageant and then saw how incredibly talented the competition was. And yeah. she realized that, you know, being a tap dancing mortuary assistant or whatever is not necessarily going to make you Diane Sawyer. So, I mean, that was interesting. Right. And then at the end, like you said, to show the corruption of the whole entire outfit. It's interesting. I just thought it didn't really make for a polished movie. I liked the Adam West inclusion. That was fun. That was good. (laughs) That's like um, I kept thinking about Miss Congeniality when I was watching Mm -hmm. this to, Mm -hmm. you know, to go to another pageant movie. But I was thinking about like Candace Bergen and Candace Bergen had the the self parody level correct in that movie like she was great as that pageant head evil schemer fixer person in a way that Christy Alley just yeah couldn't grasp I thought they sort of hit the level of self-awareness correctly in Miss Congeniality was there something about the smoking in this movie like I feel like everybody <laughs> smoked and I don't think people were still really doing that at this time I mean were they? I felt like all the movies had a lot of smoking. Yeah. I think it's just shocking anytime one Yeah, it just looks does. so weird to me now. It does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was 1963 when uh, 
Diane Sawyer won the annual National America's Junior Miss Scholarship Pageant as a representative from the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Wow. I just it hadn't occurred to me to actually look up Diane Sawyer's pageant history until <laughs> just now. It's one of those where I never like I don't have anything against anybody who wants to enter a pageant. It's the people that are putting on the pageants the that adults. I want to give the stink eye to. <laughs> I mean, the creepy guy was a good, <laughs> he was kind oh. of a good character because that's like. <laughs> he, I'm here to watch the teen girls. Yeah. The contestants. Oh, I just have this camera, just, you know, traffic accidents, just in case. <laughs> and I've seen that guy. I forget what his name is, but I have seen him other stuff and he's been super funny. Yeah. But he was just weird. He was just weird in this. I don't know. I do you think this could be a fixable movie? Like it had some interesting stuff in there. I mean, we get rid of Will Sasso. Yeah. You know, fuck relatable male characters. I don't know. That's what we're going for. I made I started making a list when I was watching this of of, of all the things that were offensive and I just had to stop because I couldn't write <laughs> fast enough. But the last one I wrote was the worst thing was tap dancing to grunge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was 1999. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep, relatable. <laughs> uh, so, okay, last note was that I looked it up. Thomas Lennon was the voice of the documentarian. Oh. You never see his face. He's not on camera. But you do hear him. Yep. So I was like, see, even just this voice off camera, they got someone who's so talented yeah. in this movie. What a waste. But now I've seen it, so never now I know. Again. Thanks, Christy. Yep. Yeah, never again. <laughs> but but I'm satisfied. I was going to say I'm happy that I saw it, but I'm not happy that I saw it. I'm satisfied that I saw it. Uh, well, let's end up with a palate cleanser for that. Something that is not dark. Something that is not going for irony. Something is not trying to shock you, but Ugh. it's the movie that I picked. This was a balm after after Drop Dead Gorgeous, I gotta say. I was like, oh, what a relief. <laughs> Nobody is gross except the bankers. Yeah. But bankers are always gross. always gross. But I picked the indie film Sweetland from 2005. Uh, this is not well known outside the festival circuit and probably the Twin Cities since it is about Minnesota. It played a little bit more widely here. I saw it because my aunt suggested that we go see it at some theater. Otherwise, I probably never would have gone to see it. But um, it was written and directed by this guy, Ali Salim, who made his bones as a commercial director. Like he worked in some pretty big ad campaigns as a director and he this is based on a short story that was in the newspaper like back in the 80s and he uh, fell in love with it and spent most of the 90s writing the script and then raised about a million dollars to be able to film it and it is the story of uh, uh set in 1920 actually it flashes between 1920 1968 and 19 19- late 1990s i'm not sure exactly when the last yeah it seems present day ish yeah yeah Yeah, exactly like the haircuts and the clothings were contemporary on that and it is the story of um this uh woman uh inga i I just didn't write down what her name was i forget her last name inga whatever Uh, who is a German national who has been living in Norway and has been sent by the parents of Olaf Torvig 
to be his arranged bride. She's he is Altenburg, a farmer. the German. Yes, thank German you, Inga Altenburg. And when they hear the name Altenburg, they're like, <gasps> she's German. And um, so this is a portrait of life on the prairie, of, of farm life on the prairie, and these two strangers who um, have accepted that they're going to um, form this partnership. And she wants to come to America and, you know, he wants a wife and somebody to work on the farm. Uh, and he had not known that she was German. And there is a lot of anti-German prejudice in this small town because this is 1920, directly after World War II. And uh, German people are I extremely want. suspicious. Before you get sharp shot. Mm-hmm. Hmm. World War One. What? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. 19, yes. It was between 19, the two 19, world 19? wars. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Uh, But she comes to the town and they determine to uh, be married. But, you know, her papers have been waylaid. And the pastor is like, I don't know how I feel about, you know, letting this German woman into our community. And uh, they essentially have to figure it out. And it's the story of, I mean, spoiler alert, of how they eventually fall in love or decide to fall in love and decide to make this farm work and it's a story about hard work and the importance of community and what can happen when the community is turned against you and I guess the power of religion and how pie equals sex (laughs) I think is is really the big lesson to this and it's a pretty small cast but you got a couple of heavy Hitters in here, you have Alan Cumming, yes. who mm-hmm. is a producer. He's It's a little bit of an odd casting, but I appreciate what they were trying to do. But he was uh, one of the people who is a, a major producer on the film, so they wrote a part for him to do it. Um, Alex Kingston, who I know from ER, who uh, plays Alan Cumming's wife. Oh, yeah, she's um, great. Who else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lois Smith is in it as the elderly Inga. The you priest. Know. Um, da, 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 I don't remember. Yeah, who's oh, that? Oh, um, um, William Hurd, who is yeah. not William Hurt. Peter McAllister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. He did a yeah. real mean sermon specifically about them. That was pretty yeah, he's troubled. He's troubled, friends. <laughs> troubled about this influence of yeah. this German woman. She's not like us. Nope, she's not. Um, and I don't know what else to say about it. It's It manages to be heartfelt without being corny, I think. It could easily be corny, but it's not. There's I think a lot probably. Of corn. Well, there is a lot of I, corny, yeah. Literally. Yeah. But it, it's, you know, it's very much skirts that dopiness and just ends up being sweet, I think. I enjoyed and, it very much. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a really accurate and a really sweet look at the life of the prairie farmers, which is why I picked it because it's more it's like um it's like Wobegon without the irony. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what Garrison Keeler always sweetly mocked, but it's the it's the Norwegian bachelor farmer who is just so horny he can hardly stand it, <laughs> but also so embarrassed, so proper, and so yeah. Yep. The, and he just, he gets so embarrassed that he can't do anything other than just walk away. And 
you know, when she is, she brings sort of art and music and <gasps> dancing into his life. And he gives her sort of stability and security. And, uh, and you know, they make a great couple. I loved it when she was in the barn meeting all the animals and she said, hello, hams. <laughs> to the pigs. <laughs> If oh, we yeah. pushing two hours, we could start a whole conversation about how we call the meats we eat different things. <laughs> <laughs> I read something about how uh, there were, Elizabeth Reeser was not the first casting choice. The original actress, it didn't say who that was, had to drop out. And she had like four days to learn all that German dialogue. Oh and she doesn't speak oh. German. Wow. That was amazing. Yep. She did a really good job. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she sounded great. Uh, so I always have a soft spot in my heart for her when I see her pop up and stuff. And I always have a, a soft spot also for Olaf, uh, Tim, I don't know how you even say his name, Gwynny, Tim Gwyn, I guess. Um, who works a lot. You see him show up a lot as a dad in um, things now. Kind of a nice dad guy. Mm-hmm. He has a face that he could never play a villain, I don't think. Yeah. But um, they're just a lovely couple. Yeah, it's a and, and every. Yeah, every time he like um he's so horny, guys. And like uh he sleeps but proper. So he sleeps in the barn and she yeah. sleeps in the house and every day he like goes to the stairs to the second floor and he like puts his foot on the stairs and she's like, "No." The squeaky naked. Yeah. <laughs> he just keeps trying it. Until finally she says, "Yeah, uh-huh. home." Very sweet. And and then, you know, uh, I guess the frame story of it all is their grandson, who, after they have both passed away, is forced to make the decision whether or not to sell the farm for, what is it, $2.2 million an acre? And they're going to put up, a, like, tract houses or whatever. And he knows what the smart move is, and he knows, you know, what his his heart wants to do and looks back at their relationship as told to him and it's just lovely yeah yeah uh by the time you have the check it's usually not that easy to reverse that i just FYI. wonder about yeah, that if he never yeah. cashes it yeah no you've already signed the shit what you do with yeah, the yeah it's on not you. yours anymore mm-hmm. yeah and and it's sweet that he wants to keep it until he decides to build a baseball field in the middle of it <laughs> <laughs> but like the I, I think just... he's older than 36, though, Christy. So we're past that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Past his midlife crisis. <laughs> but I, if I were his wife, I'd be like, we have millions of dollars, and now we have to field this corn? Like, no. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. What I like to think is he, you know, worked it for about a month. And then he said, just He's kidding, like, eh, have that check back. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand that. Like, you wouldn't want to sell the family farm. But on the other hand, let's be reasonable here. Farming is like an actual, like, job, profession. People go to school for it. They do it their entire lives. Yeah. You don't just go, oh, grandma died. I'm just going to be a corn farmer. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> well, presumably he's been doing it maybe for his life i mean that's what i guess i just assumed i gave him the benefit of the doubt there that oh i thought he was like a city boy Um, well he has like a pickup or something although that doesn't necessarily don't have pickups in the twin (laughs) cities they most certainly do but uh they could have like a tenant farmer i think i think Mm -hmm. that's stuff that happens that you basically rent out the Mm -hmm. fields to somebody else sure so i don't know but um 
But it's a nice little buoy. And then they bury bodies in the field. That's mm-hmm. true. You got to bury them on the farm. Um, probably also illegal on some level. Yeah. True. Who's going to come get them for that, though? Yeah. Maybe the preacher. Well, the question of the week is, of course, what movie makes you think of Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, or South Dakota? I mean, I, we got some stances with wolves in one of the Dakotas. I don't know. I think it is. Yeah, you can say Fargo. I won't be too mad at you. <laughs> I thought that would actually be a really good test. Don't say Fargo. And then we'll know if people answer the question without listening to this. Mm-hmm. If somebody mm-hmm. says Fargo, I, the we'll first answer is going to be Fargo. I'm sure. I know that. I yeah. Know. Yep. I wish I had picked Juno. Me too. That was my second. Let's <laughs> <laughs> all go watch Juno two times. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so also, also Allison Janney. Yeah. Playing a great character. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting movie. That's another one of those where I, I'm not sure how well it would hold up. Yeah. But it wouldn't yeah. be. It wouldn't. I mean. It's not like that. Stuff. I thought it was yeah. amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. when I saw Gorgeous it. Gorgeous didn't hit, didn't, didn't hold up at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we might be um, a little bit irritated by the language in Juno if we rewatch it. Probably. All the what's up home skillet yeah. stuff is a little bit twee. Um, but there's interesting, really interesting themes going on mm-hmm. in that movie, like how Jason Bateman turns out to be the creep. Creeper. <sighs> how could yeah. they do that? Jason Bateman. He's so lovable. Yeah, so nobody answer Fargo. I mean, I guess unless you think it's a masterpiece. <laughs> but caveat is good. If we just see Fargo with no context, yeah, we're going to be like, I mean, it's okay if you don't listen, but... Wait, they won't hear it. It's not okay. <laughs> I'm going to kick you off the Facebook page. <laughs> I don't even know if I have that power. I don't know how to do it. But someone, you will be kicked off if you answer Fargo. Shall we move on to Tishi Recommends? Yes. Um, I'm way behind on this one, and we may have mentioned it, but I've been watching The Great on Hulu, and I love it. Um, so good. It's the story of, well, it's not really the story of Catherine the Great, but purportedly it is. It's Elle Fanning um, becoming the Empress of Russia. Um, when did she get to be an adult? I don't know. Isn't she like nine? She's, and she's such a good actress, she's too. She's so good. Um, it's it's billed as an occasionally true story, and I think that's like the most you could say about its factual accuracy. Um, but it's very funny. It's also very raunchy and gross and bloody like don't watch this with your kids yeah. <laughs> i'm in but it's <laughs> it's hilarious and interesting and it's very well acted um i think the her music's great music's great yeah her maid mariel is my favorite character um there are currently two seasons and it's been renewed for a third and it's on hulu definitely watch it Elle fanning is 23 i know she's God, just a baby so i didn't even mm-hmm. recognize her at first i was like oh like, I, I looked it up as soon as I started watching it. And I was like, no way. Because <laughs> I do think of her as being 10. <laughs> yeah. All right. I already said someone put me as Legos. Um, I will second that. I really want the Hogwarts castle, but it's $400. Um, Holy so cow. How pay... many pieces is that? Oh, thousands. Um, let's see. Hogwarts. That's definitely a, a 18 plus. <laughs> Let's see. It has 27 minifigures. 
which is a lot. Uh, well, there's like six Weasleys. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of Weasleys. 6,020 pieces. Wow. What was that all? <laughs> yeah. So get Legos. Um, you too can get involved with our show. Go to thisshowhaseverything.com. You can send us messages from throwyourphone.com or our new Gmail that works, definitely works, is tshishow at gmail.com. Um, and you can fax Bobby at 617-354-8513. Have you gotten any fax lately? No, it's been a real fax drought. All right, someone fax us. It's because nobody's in their <laughs> office anymore to use the fax That's machine. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. And that was everything Midwest. Wait, central, mid, upper, south, Midwest. upper, mid, yeah, <laughs> upper, central. Yeah. upper central, nearly Canada. Yeah. Oh
I'm looking at this Hogwarts, Christy. Mm-hmm. I I love that the stairway turns. The yes. stairway rotates. There's so much detail. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. My stepdad and Victor do Lego all the time. I wonder if he's going to be 13, you guys, in like uh, a month. Oh, there's the Whomping Willow. Yes. The the detail is wow. so good. That's do you gorgeous. see the dragon on the turret? Like uh-huh. everything is. Yeah. And I'm sad. I mean, I wasn't going to buy it. But <gasps> this afternoon it was in stock and now it's out of stock. Oh. That must be the potions dungeon. That's got to be Snape. Oh, man. There's this a Diagon cool. Alley, too. Not on this one. You have to get that separately. And then they have little rooms like you can um, to have a bigger version. So, you know. Diagon Alley always um, trips my brain up because it should be diagonally. Well, I right? think that's, that's the, the joke, joke, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's the joke. Yeah. It took me a long time to realize that because I read the books and I didn't like. Well, I guess that means I should have known sooner because you could. But yeah, but it the way the that you Diagon Alley, it's like. I guess the emphasis is off. Yeah. And that's what confused. Oh, boy. That's cool looking. You should get it, well, Christy. Christy. You should get it. 